Let's see, keep our Bibles open to Acts chapter number 11. I'm so glad that God gave us the Bible. See, Pastor, why did God give us the Bible? Here's why I think God gave us the Bible. Number one, to show us how to be reconciled with Him. How to know for sure when life's over, you go to heaven. Everybody needs to know that. A hundred years from now, all that's going to matter is where we live. <laughs> in heaven with God or in hell without Him, according to the Bible. But the Bible is primarily written to believers. It's written to Christians. And that's why you really need to know the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit in your heart to understand it properly. But if you're here today and you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. I hope you'll do what I did one day when someone took the Bible and showed me from the Bible how I could have eternal life. It's the best day of someone's life. And I'm very thankful you're here. The Bible, of course, is one book with 66 books inside. The first book is the book of Genesis. The last book is the book of the Revelation. All through the Bible, I think it has one main theme, is how can sinners like us be reconciled with a God who's not a sinner? And then I think uh, the main character of the Bible is Jesus, because he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. Every road of life leads to God. It doesn't matter what your paradigm of belief is. According to the Bible, every person will one day stand before God. But only one road leads to eternal life with God, and that's the person of Jesus Christ. It's not in a church, it's not in a pastor, not in a priest, not in a creed, not in a baptism, not in a membership. It's in the person of Jesus. And God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. He loves you, and he doesn't want to spend eternity without you. Everyone who goes into eternity without God goes into eternity with their sins. If you go into eternity with your sin, you're going to get a fair trial with a God who knows everything about you. That's not going to be a good thing. You don't want to go into eternity with your sin. Because God has given you an option to go into eternity with his gift, his son, Jesus Christ. If you go into eternity with your sin, you get a fair trial. You go into eternity with God's son, you get a free pardon. You get freedom and forgiveness that comes to the person of Jesus Christ. And we want you to know that. We have been studying in recent days in the book of Acts. In the New Testament, the second half of our Bible, it was 27 books were written after Jesus went back to heaven. The first four books are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they are written, we call them the Gospels. They're four different individuals looking at four different street corners, if you will, at the same intersection, evaluating and telling about the life of Jesus in his short period of time that he was on the earth. Matthew tells us that he's a king. Mark uh, he's a servant. Luke, he's man. John, he's God. Then, at the end of each of those Gospels, Jesus goes back to go to heaven. After he has died, he's buried and rose again, he goes back to be with his Father. We call it the Ascension. At the end of each of those Gospels, he does that. The book we're studying is the book of Acts. At the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus goes back to heaven. And now God begins to share with us the history of the early church. And though it was 2,000 years ago, there are things very pertinent to 2021 that we're seeing through the scriptures. In the book of Acts, there are several things that happen. Chapter 1, Jesus goes up. In chapter 2, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes down. In chapter 3, those who have his Holy Spirit inside of them go out. And they begin to tell people about Jesus Christ. They don't preach about a church. 
They don't preach about a, a doctrine as much as they preach about a person. They tell folks about Jesus. Well, then people start coming in. They start coming into the person of Jesus Christ. In chapter 3, they find a crippled man who gets saved and healed. And as a result of that, a sermon is preached and many come to know Christ. In chapter 4, the people who had been preaching about him get called into a council and threatened and, and uh, put into a, a hold for a while. Chapter 5, the Lord purifies his church with Ananias and Sapphira. In chapter 6, the church is growing and because of growth, there always will be need. There will always be a need, and there was a need. The, the widows of the church had grown so fast, and the church grows so fast, that some of the widows were complaining that their needs were not being met. And there was some prejudice and some bias going on in the church. Oh, you'll never find a perfect church. If you ever find a perfect church, do them a favor. Don't join it. <laughs> you'll mess it up. No, there's no perfect church, and the early church was an example of that. There were arguments, there were disputes, there were arguing going on. And the Lord sent uh, through the solution, he sent through the problem a solution. And it, and it came in the form of surrendered servants. There were seven men who were chosen to help the pastors there and to be deacons. Two of those men significantly stay in the pages of our Bible. The other five, though they were used in a special way, do not. The first is Stephen. And Stephen was a preacher. He not only was a servant, he proclaimed God's truth. And when he preached, people got saved and other people got mad. Some people got so angry that they stoned him and left his wife a widow and his children fatherless. As a result of that, the mob began to get more enraged and trying to find the other six men and other people who were leaders. And one of them, his name is Philip, he went up to Samaria, the other side of the tracks, if you will. He went over to a place that he knew that the Jewish police would not chase him into. But while he was there, he began telling people about Jesus Christ, and many people got saved. And then in Acts chapter 8, verse number 26, in the middle of that revival, the Holy Spirit of God told a messenger from the Lord, sent to Philip, said, Philip, I need you to go out into the desert. He didn't argue. He left that group of people, went out into the desert, and found one man, an Ethiopian eunuch, a man who worked for the queen of Ethiopia. Her name was Candace. He oversaw all of her treasure, and, and he was out, and he was reading his Bible in the back of his chariot or stagecoach, and, and uh, that's when uh, Philip became a chariot chaser. <laughs> he ran up to the motorcade and heard him reading the uh, scriptures and said, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy said, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me, unless someone guides me? He said, do you understand it? And Philip said, yeah, I do. He said, well, get up here and ride with me. And Philip began to ride with him and explain to him the gospel of Christ. And that man got saved. He got baptized. And Philip went elsewhere preaching the gospel. Chapter 9, the Nemanus, uh, whatever, the enemy of the local church. Don't try to say that three times fast. Nemesis of the local church. Did I say that right? I hope I did. If I didn't, just nod your head and just humor me, would you? The adversary of the local church, Paul, whose name was Saul. Of Tarsus, He hated Christ. He hated Christianity. He did all he could do to stamp it out. He had arrested people who believed that way. He was not biased toward men or women. He had no, he did anybody who preached Christ, he wanted them to be uh, dealt with and to be, to be prosecuted. But he got to meet the Lord Jesus himself and the Lord met him. And there was just, he was strong, but he had no chance against Jesus. 
And he quickly asked two good questions that all of us ought to ask ourselves and ask the Lord. Number one, who is God to me? He said, who art thou, Lord? By the way, that determines a lot of things about how you live and how I live. Who is God to you? Who are you, God? That'll change what you, how you think. Number two, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Not only who you are, but what do you want from me? And God told him, I, I've got something for you. But it wouldn't happen right away that, that Saul would be, uh, he would be blinded for three days. He would be healed by the Lord and by the instrument of Ananias who would come and see him. But he would be put on the shelf, if you will, to re- be reprogrammed, be taught by God. At least, at least two years in Arabia, one year in Damascus. And then he would go back to Jerusalem and be rejected there by people that he had hurt so bad in his previous life. And then the Lord would send him back to his hometown of Tarsha, a Greek city. And he would go back there and spend time there for, for three, four, five, six years. And then we find him entering again in chapter number 11. But while he is away, being taught of the Lord and being trained and in no short time, you would think, man, as soon as he got saved, he went out and just tore it up and people were coming to Christ. That's not what happened. He did reason with people. He, did, he, he was faithful, but he had to learn a few things. And while he was learning a few things, God was doing some things in his other counterpart, Peter. Peter, in chapter number 10, he is, um, he is the leader of the, of the church of Jerusalem. He had spent time with Jesus. He was kind of a loud mouth and a strong personality. He had uh, been definitely one of the, uh, the ringleaders of the new Christian organization, though it wasn't called Christians yet. It was just the people of the way. And the Lord had to teach him a few things. And it needed to teach him so he could teach other people. In the process we learned last week in chapter number 10, that God had a man of Caesarea. He was a military man. He had a hundred military soldiers that answered directly to him. He was a centurion. He was a good man. He was very generous. He was... Uh, he was prayerful. Even though he didn't know who, who the real God was, he didn't understand who he was. He didn't understand about Christ. He knew, he believed that the, that the people, the God of the Bible should be his God. And he prayed to God. Even at the hours that the Jewish people would pray, in the sixth and ninth hours, he would pray. And he would fast and he would say, Lord, you've got to teach me something. In the middle of that, God said, I need, I'm ready to answer your prayers. Your prayers have been heard. By the way, sometimes you pray a long time before prayers are heard. How many love to wait? Oh, you just love to wait. Patience is your virtue. God bless you if that's you. It's not mine. I want what I want yesterday. Well... He said, finally, your prayers have heard. He said, I want you to send some guys and go get a guy named Peter. He's staying at the house of, of a Simon the Tanner in Joppa by the seaside. So this soldier sends one of his soldiers and two of his servants in his house, and he gathers his friends and family in his house and waits for them to come back. They go to see Peter. Peter, in the meantime, has got... Uh, a lot of things going on. He's hungry. He goes up into the, uh, the roof to pray. And at that time, God demonstrates through food and his desire to eat a fact that God is not prejudiced. God doesn't just want the Jewish people to get saved. He wants the whole world to get saved. And that Peter's not better than somebody else and no one else is better than him. And God so loved the world. 
And Peter got his bell rung, and then there the bell rang, or the people were knocking at the gate. And here these three men are here. He says, there's going to be some guys looking for you. When they come to you, you go and go wherever they want you to go without doubting. And so Peter did. They said, hey, this is the situation. we got a boss, and he's unbelievable. He's a great guy, and he loves God, but he does, he's looking for answers. He told me to come find you, and he wants you to come. They stayed overnight that night, and then they went with Peter, and Peter went with them back to find He found a full house full of people with Cornelius. Cornelius greeted him with great humility and almost worship, and he said, get up. I'm, not, I'm just another man. Don't worship me, but I'll tell you who you can worship. And he told him about Jesus. And when he told him about Jesus and all the people that were there, the Holy Spirit of God came upon that believers when they accepted Jesus Christ. And Peter had an aha moment. He said, okay, God doesn't just love me, he loves everybody. And I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for being here, but, but I'm willing to do it if this is what God's trying to tell me. Because as a Jewish leader, he was not supposed to enjoy a meal with Gentiles. He was not to be in their same home. It was just one of those traditional things. But he, he saw that Christ and his will trumped tradition and opinions of others. He went there, and whenever he realized they'd accepted Christ, he baptized them. By the way, after you get saved, you ought to follow the Lord and believers' baptism. The Bible tells us in verse 48 of chapter 10 that he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they were baptized. When he came back to Jerusalem in chapter 11, you'll find that Peter got approached by the Jewish leaders. Let's go ahead and look at our Bibles in 11, chapter 11, verse number 1. And the apostles and the brethren that were with them in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were in of the circumcision, they were the Judaizers that had believed and received Jesus, but were having a hard time trying to change traditions of the circumcision. What's the next word that happened after circumcision? They contended with him. What does that mean to you, they contended? Probably argued. Father hey, what are you doing? You know our traditions. We're God's people. We're not supposed to be eating meals with the Gentiles. And you cross some, some, uh, some ethnic barriers. You've crossed some things that we don't do. They contended with him. They came at him. Now, these people, to our knowledge, they were believers. Now, they wouldn't go away. There's some of them that had strong prejudice and they stayed in them for a long time, and they complicated the work of God. By the way, if you're prejudiced, you'll do the same thing. <laughs> Who made you with your skin pigment? Who gave you your origin? Who chose your parents for you? Did you do that? Where you would live in the world. These are things that God chooses. And one thing we know about our good God, he is not a respecter of persons. He does not respect persons. And he was trying to tell these folks that. But they contended with him. And then he gave them his testimony. Chapter 11 is rehearsing what happened in chapter number, uh, verse, chapter number 10. But I want you to notice the first thing that you will need to understand about the early church and our church today is that not everybody gets it. Not everybody understands everything at the same time. There was some growth pattern that needed to happen. Now, one of the things I think that all of us need to understand is that all of us don't understand. 
There are things that we go, in, in this morning, I'm speaking about this. Some of you are taking this in. You go, oh, man, I am tracking. This is, this is helpful. Some of you are saying, Pastor, you're going way too fast. I'm not sure what's going on. But the truth of the matter is, even though God had shown Peter some things, he had not shown the other people. They were, trying to, they were catching this by slow freight. Has anyone ever told you a joke and you went, ha, 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 and you didn't understand what the joke was? And you'll get it by slow freight. Later on, you'll find, oh, that was so funny. I just didn't understand it at the time. Well, you know, this is kind of what happened here. They said, hey, what are you doing? And do you know how he overcame the criticism? He told them his story. Let's look, if we can, please, at chapter number 11 and verse number 3. And we're going to share with this passage again this evening, if you want to come back for lesson number 2. If you have a choice to come this morning or tonight, I suggest you come tonight. If you would, I think you'll enjoy it much better. Verse number three, saying, Thou wentest unto the men of the uncircumcised and didst eat with them. This is what they contended with him about. Verse number four, But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, He said, I went, he went way back to the beginning and then chronologically explained what happened. He says, I was in the city of Joppa praying in the trance. I saw a vision in a certain vessel descended as it was by, had, had been a great sheet let down from heaven by the four corners and it came even to me. And upon the which when I had fastened my eyes, I considered and saw four-footed beasts of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And I heard a voice saying unto me, Arise, Peter, slay and eat. And I said, but I said, not so, Lord, for nothing common or unclean hath at any time entered into my mouth. I don't eat that stuff. But the voice answered me again from heaven, what God hath cleansed, thou call not thou common. That, that call not thou common, verse number 10. For this was done three times. Peter always had to have three times. You see that he was kind of a thick. Anybody else thick in here that you're willing to admit it? <laughs> Takes you a while to catch on to things. It happened to him three times. And, it, and uh, here we go in the next one, verse number 11. And behold, immediately there were three men already come into the house where I was and sent from Caesarea unto me. And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me. And we entered into a man's house. Six different men came with him who were Jewish in nature. And by the way, whenever you see in the early church, the Jewish people required a sign. They needed to see a miracle. And the miracle they saw was Gentiles speaking in languages they didn't learn. When they saw that, the Jews said, oh man, this really must be of the Lord. So it wasn't just Peter, it was six other men who traveled with him over there, and it was very significant, because they were also eyewitnesses. As these men approached Peter when he came to him, hey, what are you doing? He said, let me tell you the story. And I wasn't the only one who saw it. These six guys saw it too. And he gave them some eyewitnesses of what was going on. Let's continue our reading, if we can, in verse number 12. And the Spirit made me go, nothing doubting. Moreover, these six brethren accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. And he showed us how that he had seen an angel in his house and stood and said unto him, Send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter. And that was, that was Peter. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved. He said, this guy comes, he's going to explain to you salvation. 
By the way, if you're here today and you're not sure that you're saved, you need to hear the same thing this guy learned. He said, this guy had come and he needs to show you God's way to be saved. Now, sometimes that word saved is a little bit confusing. I've, I've asked him, are you saved? And I said, well, you know, I was in a car wreck and I just, I just barely made it out. Or I was almost drowning and someone saved me. Now, that's a physical thing, but to be saved in the Bible is to be saved from sin that exiles you from God forever. It's far different and far more long-lasting. It's eternal. He said, listen, this guy said, if you'll go send for this guy, Simon Peter, he's going to come, he's going to show you how to be saved. By the way, everybody needs somebody to show them how to be saved. And if you're here today, you're not sure if you're saved, I want to encourage you, let someone take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Don't let pride or procrastination keep you from accepting the gift of eternal life. Let's continue our reading, can we please? Verse number 15, and as I begin to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as it was on us at the beginning in Pentecost. Then remembered I the word of the Lord, how that he said, John indeed baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. For as much then as God gave them like gift as he did unto us, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and what was I that I could withstand who? So who had been doing all this work? God. He said, you know what, even though it went against my grain, even though it went against tradition, even though it went against how I felt about things, there was no doubt it was God. It was God that was demonstrating his purpose. Not only do I want you to understand that not everybody understands things at the same time, I want you to understand that God is at work. He is at work in your community. He is at work in your heart. None of us are here by accident. We're here because of the grace of God and God's working. He loves you. There is nothing that's done by coincidence. And he said, who was I that I could withstand God? God was showing me something very important. That is Peter's testimony. Then I want you to notice the response the people gave. Would you look at the Bible again? Acts chapter 11 and verse number 18. And when they, these people who contended with Peter, heard these things, they held their, what does that mean? They kept quiet. That's a good thing for all of us to do from time to time, isn't it? Whenever you see something that's obviously God does, it's a good time to just sit and ponder things. He said, whenever they saw this and they heard what he said, they just kind of held their peace. And they contemplated those things. And I think I always appreciate people who think through things. One of the things I admire about Joseph, and while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord came to him. Mary pondered all these things. And are you ever wonder why God gave uh, Mary and uh, gave Jesus, Mary and Joseph? I think they were thinkers. I think there were people that kept their mouth uh, quiet when they, when they wanted to talk. They just listened and they pondered it. He said, these folks, they held their peace. Look at verse 18 again. And they glorified God. They gave glory to God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. That life is talking about eternal life. I want to just remind you today, and, and I'm going to speak about this tonight. I'm looking forward to it tonight especially because the verses we read are beautiful verses that talk about God's movement in the early church. But I will say this. I think we all understand that we need to realize that everybody gets things at different and be patient with each other. Be patient. Don't try. You can't convert anybody. You can't make anybody get saved. 
You can't help anybody get it. You can talk to them. You can love them. You can pray for them. But I'll tell you, everybody's on a different time frame. I think this would help us a lot in the work of God if we just really had patience with people the way God has patience with us. Number two, you would need to know that God is working. God is working. He's working in your life. He's working in our world. You sometimes say, well, well, this world is coming to. You know what's coming to? It's coming right into the hand of God. There is nothing happening in government, in the world, the world uh, theater as we know it, that's not exactly playing into the hand of God. If you look at the book of the Revelation, you compare it with Daniel, and you compare it with other things in the Scriptures, you can see that God is alive and well in 2021. He knows exactly what's going on. He's not one bit nervous. He doesn't even have a headache. He's good. It's playing right into his hand. And that's why you want to know the God of the Bible. That's why you want to please him and love him and, and honor him and have faith in him. And when God shows you something, I think it's a good idea to think about it and glorify God that he is doing a work in bringing people to repentance around the world. Let's